Hi there, Casey Smith here. This is Shoulder Charge, a rugby league podcast. Yeah, rugby league is back and so are we. On this week's show, I review all the big action from the opening round of Super League. Plus, a little bit later on, we'll be joined by Lee Kenny of Halifax Panthers, who has some innovative ideas on how to promote the game. First, here's my Super League round one pick of the action. Wigan just about edged Lee on Friday night, and it was a great game. But my immediate thoughts was, how ordinary did Wigan look without Hastings and French? There was also other notable absences too, but Lee were pretty impressive too. They're not there to just make up the numbers, it seems. You know, they committed men forward, they took risks... The problem for Lee is it's got to be repeated across the full 80 and they've got a big game next week as well with Warrington too. The downside for Lee is towards the end of that match a lot of the kicks fell straight into the hands of Zach Hardacre and not many metres were limited for Wigan. (laughs) And also, did you see uh, Ben Wallace sporting the Hall and Oates look for Lee? But back to the serious matter is I think Lee looked better than Toronto and Wigan. They'll be hoping French and Hastings are back as soon as possible. Friday night also saw Saints overcoming Salford 29-6. I think the scoreline actually suggests Salford were well beaten, but it weren't like that really. You know, Salford had a few opportunities that they failed to capitalise on and without some of Krishna and Inu's errors in catching the ball in the air on his own try line, the game might have actually been a lot tighter. I think Salford did alright. They've got a new coach, new players, different game plan. It's early days, but they, they look like another team that's going to be hard to beat. There was also entertaining clashes on Sunday, but before I delve into those, let's hear from Lee Kenny. For those of you who don't know, Lee is a media marketing director for Halifax Panthers. Back in December, the club underwent a rebrand, which was hugely successful. Incredibly, in a global pandemic, where it's not even guaranteed fans will return this year, the Panthers have seen an increase in season ticket. Lee Kenny explains. Now, I've got to say, it predates me. I'm relatively new to the club, uh joining uh, on the board uh, towards the back end of last year, but uh, involved with uh, reviewing. I think uh, the Panthers' name's been on the blocks uh, probably for a couple of years, maybe three years there's been talk of it, and the timing just wasn't right. Uh, I think uh, the club uh, uh, had a few different priorities, um, but at the beginning of 2020, uh, the conversation reopened again. In fact, the Panthers' name, I think, was uh, one of our marketing uh, chaps, say one of uh, as in most of rugby league, it's not a huge marketing team. It's yeah. uh, uh, beg, borrowing and stealing, sometimes <laughs> volunteers. But uh, Jamie uh, came up and, you know, we, we had a look back at the history and said, does it does it tie in? Because this wasn't a rebrand to say we want to get rid of the old Halifax rugby league. It was how do we modernise it? Because we have to change. We have to get with the times. You look at the RFL coverage, the Super League coverage. It's going to monikers. It's going to names. So... It really was a, probably the right time for us. Um, in terms of the, of the feedback uh, or the, the effectiveness, um, I, I think overwhelmingly successful. In fact, probably too successful, if that's a, 
uh, uh, that's not too glib a thing to say, um, because I think sometimes think, oh, new new brand means that suddenly you're going to go on a, a 20 match unbeaten run, yeah. win everything, <laughs> you know, be so successful, we should create our own league just for us, you know, that, that's sometimes how people think, and actually it's not, it's, it's a very long-term strategy, so yes, it's had a bump, uh, social media-wise, which I guess is what a lot of people look at these days. Um, I'm a numbers guy, so I look at before the rebrand uh, and afterwards. And if I look at, say, the 12 or 20 weeks ahead of the rebrand and what's happened since then, which, again, is only three and a half months, four months since, um, Twitter and Facebook were double uh, the amount of engagement uh, that we were seeing on the average post. Uh, and Instagram, uh, we're looking at uh, almost five times uh, the impact of before. And that's not uh, following numbers, but that's the engagement. So clearly it's had an impact. Uh, and again, I think, uh, you know, a very good team effort all round on that. So you've gone for like a younger demographic with the Panthers rebrand. Has that been reflected in like season tickets? Yeah, I think if, if most people will say this year is is going to be a very unusual year. I think that the numbers and studies and reports I read from around the world are saying that people are expecting a, a decline of probably 10 to 20% this year. Um, we have actually beaten probably last year's uh, and certainly the amount of people, particularly grandparents and parents bringing children. I mean, we, we created an offer where if they nominated children to come with the season ticket holders, we give up to two tickets for children free. And that uptake has been incredible. So, no, we've been very happy. Still very early days because, of course, you know, we're, we're pining for the days of getting fans in, you know, into the ground. <laughs> and, and I guess that's where we'll see that happen most uh, over the coming kind of uh, couple of years. I think the vast majority of our, uh, a bit like me, our older fans uh, <laughs> are, uh, are sticking with us as well. So they recognise the need for change. But certainly the uptake on the season tickets and where we go from here will be probably better use of things like Instagram, better use of, uh, you know, we've got Snap Channel uh, 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 registered, we've got TikTok. But because, again, it's brand new and we don't we don't want to do loads of things badly or average. We want to do the things. So we're rolling those things out channel by channel. So hopefully uh, uh, some of the TikToks and some of the Snapchats that will be coming when we launch those channels will, again, just further enhance for those people that are on those channels. The RFL have been uh, streaming the matches on at the League app. Do you think that's like a temporary measure with COVID because fans are not allowed in, or is that something that's going to be uh, beyond the pandemic and like a, another revenue stream to tap into? And with your game against Batley, was that well received? Like, did were there quite a lot of uptake with that? Yeah, I mean, certainly commercially, everything is is confidential. Everything yeah. is, uh, you know, as we would expect it to be uh, with with RFL and partnerships. I think that an element of video is is going to be got essential, um, but it's not going to replicate. It's not going to replace that feeling about being in the okay. ground. So our priority will be. And this is what I used to live. I used to live in Sydney, and they had a model whereby, if the ground wasn't sold out in that state, so let's say Sydney and New South Wales, New South Wales didn't broadcast that match. But as soon as it was a sellout, now it was fair game. And of course, that didn't affect the people in 
uh, Queensland or Perth or those areas because they weren't going to go to the game, so they would get streaming. So I think we're a long way off that for something yeah. like the championship. Yeah. But I kind of love that idea of fans first in the environment, in the experience, and then how do we broaden that appeal? So I think it, it is. It has been important. Um, I think it's very early days. I think if well, anytime you put a new thing together, anything, and, and, and again, it's we're not just talking say Super League with with twelve clubs or whatever. It's a lot of clubs, a lot of content. So the RFL, which again are. You know, they've done probably an incredible job piecing this together uh, at almost a moment's notice, even though Kobe's been here for a year, knowing when we can have fans in. So they've been very supportive of working with us to try and do that. Will it be a replacement income stream for people through the gates? No. no. I was going to say not in my lifetime. That might be a bit pessimistic, but it's certainly whilst video's important and it helps further engage, I, I think it will we're all hoping and, and waiting for the times we can get back into the grounds, really. Yeah. And basically, your average attendances over the last few years have been in and around the 2000 mark. You've said, obviously, you know, the the season tickets have been well received, but how do you, like, keep that number growing? You know, you've had your you've had the uh, rebrand, but how do you t- turn the, mer- the merchandise sales and things like that into actually people getting into the into the ground is it is it going to schools and getting fans engaged that way yeah good question i think that's a really good question and and one that i think a lot of rugby teams actually a lot of people in different sports are are struggling with that that same question so inevitably being as part of the community and we have a good relationship with the the foundation so there's a panthers foundation in uh, in our area so certainly schools Certainly being a little bit more innovative, so with the launch of the brand, we decided to partner with uh, the Peace Hall, which is one of the country's best uh, tourist attractions now in terms of of an old building that's being promoted and invested upon, uh, Dean Clough, which is a local mill, the council, and and the Courier, which is part of um, uh, Johnston Press. So we decided to take a completely different tack for the rebrand to to work with partners on audiences so i think that will continue the visibility in town centers uh you know visibilities in schools working with the community clubs which again we're already doing but could we do more absolutely and again prioritizing those but we also have to understand that the product if we're really blunt is the players um you know it is the history of the club but the players really are the things that can really explode and, and that's something we're talking to a number of the players about right now it is a particular challenge of being a part-time club is that you don't have that 45 hours a week yeah. 40 hours a week resource and access that you can kind of plan these so we're, we're working on you know the time restraints but I think we've got some real characters um, you know if you look at, at some of the guys that I think will really be fan favourites I think that will really help get people back yeah. into the grounds Obviously, you don't have the budgets of the top teams in Super League like Warrington. We've seen they've had some pretty pretty good success, like you know, really hyping up their presence. You know, before like a a big match, a big derby. As I say, you don't you probably don't have as big a budget, and at the, at the same time, but is that something that you're looking to replicate, basically? Yeah, I, th- I think um, replicate is an interesting one. I think we, we clearly look to other uh, uh, sports clubs, other other industries. 
Um, one of the things that we had a look at when we, we did the rebrand of the website was who's doing it particularly well. I've got to say, in terms of the website presence, I didn't feel like Rugby League was particularly strong at having amazing, innovative websites. Yeah. So, again, we've had to maybe look outside of the industry. Uh, I mentioned I'm newish into the game. I'm a sports fan. I'm a Halifax fan, of course. But uh, Warrington do have a good reputation of, of being able to get not just the media graphics out in the hype, but, of course, having a little bit of fun with it too. Yeah. So certainly that energy we want to take. Uh, and, of course, you know, as a as a championship club with aspirations to go to Super League over the next few years, we're going to have to raise our game. Uh, and you're quite right, we don't have uh, the budget, so we have to kind of take a bit of a David and Goliath approach and get those eyeballs where we can, you know, be respectful, but also kind of plough our own path probably. Uh, in terms of like the sport as a whole, what how do, how well do you think the sport actually does in comparison to to others? Oh, that's uh, I think you're trying to get me in trouble now aren't you, with <laughs> with somebody. Um, do you know I th- I think <clears throat> it's in a tough spot. You know I think there's a lot to be really thankful about. There's a lot to be really uh, excited and encouraged about. So, again, I'm not quite going to sit on the fence and say I'm the new guy in, so I don't yeah. know exactly. I really don't have the history that a yeah. lot of people have got. So I see a lot of good things. I see things like the app, you know, what they're trying to do there. Obviously, there's a partnership with the Sportsman and Bedfred, Bedfred yeah. this year for the Challenge Cup, of which we're not really going to talk anything about Challenge Cup yeah. after this weekend's results. However, you know, I think that there's lots, there's lots of really good stuff. There's lots of good examples of partnerships with... Rugby League World Cup with the tackle it discrimination. So, so I think it gets a, a little bit of a bad rap at times. You know, I think as 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 Northern fans, our humour is a bit gallows. <laughs> you know, so we like to be you know quick witted yeah. and we like to uh, take a little shot. Um, uh, but no, I think there's a lot to be thankful about. Do, would the RFL think they could do more? Of course. The Super League think they could do more? Of course. Do we think we can do more? Absolutely. I think the minute we all think we've cracked it, that's when the sport will be in trouble. So the World Cup's at the end of the season. So how do you capitalise on that and basically, you know, keep going on the back of the tournament? Yeah, I think everybody, you know, recognises whether it's Wimbledon and there's a tennis bounce in the summer, whether it's, you know, cricket doing well. Well, actually, having that ability to get Rugby League World Cup some really great coverage... And again, it's one of those events that, you know, in in some sports you might not be able to, you know, the downside of not necessarily being as um, popular as some sports is you can get tickets to really amazing events and see world-class players. And when you see that and that spectacle, and we've had conversations with the organisers and they're really geared up, they're really amped up for it. So I think any positive... uh, exposure coverage you know whether that's you know on sky or on bbc i think having those personalities those best in the games those those break the lines break the tackles and and big big personalities that that really is just a case of giving it as wide a platform so it would be easy so this time so at previous world cups the share you know has, has held some of these events and it's been a sellout and it's been amazing you know, I was talking to somebody this weekend about, do you remember when, you know, when there was 10,000 people in this, in this yeah. you know, smallish stadium? And those are the memories that the kids take, you know, with them. Me going to Wembley in, you know, 88, I think it was. And even though it was a losing 
final, the experience of the day, that, that stays with you. So, again, I'm really positive and hopeful. So, as a club, even though we're not involved necessarily in hosting an event, we'll be getting behind it with the community clubs, trying to help them create hubs. And then hopefully we'll be able to figure out that one or two month period whilst they're here in the country before the event, just how we can try and involve them. But no, we're big fans and, and really, you know, really encouraged with the direction that's taken. And in terms of marketing for you, like what is your most important avenue of priority? So is it like, you know, is it social media now? Is, is that the way that, is that your biggest focus on to promote Halifax now? Um, for me, no, and that might sound strange because I'm a huge advocate of social media and I think it's definitely a channel that, that we will be putting a lot of effort into, but it's very multidisciplinary. So, you know, sometimes it's picking up the phone, you know, having the players, having the club, having the officials, because we know that a bit like theatres, a bit like charities, sometimes rugby league has a slightly older demographic and it's not to say that they're not on Facebook or, you know, Twitter, but getting the mass audiences, it's about communicating via mail, via telephone, using the press, you know, and we've got a really great relationship. I've got to say the team over at uh, the Halifax Courier, which is our area, have just been amazingly supportive. So Chris Lever, the, the editor over there, and, and certainly the wider JPI, I, I just can't, you know, I can't thank them enough for being behind us. But there isn't one method that's going to get currently more than 25% of fans. You know, so press one mops them up, direct mail another, partnerships another, community clubs another. So we're having, you know, we, we, there isn't a, a magic bullet really. Social, definitely important for reaching uh, our, a selection of the audience. And as we look for the younger people, certainly we know that they aren't reading the newspaper. They're not reading direct mail. They're not reading... <laughs> you know, uh, a Facebook. So we'll be looking at how we innovate there. And again, that's going to have to be with strong content. And then we're trying to generate something where I've mentioned this before to people is there's a, there's a, an avenue in rugby where people say, bring kids for a quid or, you know, that sort of thing. Well, it needs to be flipped on its head completely. The kids need to be bringing grandparents for a pound, not the other way around, or parents, because it's such a family yeah. environment. I mean, where else, you know, if you think about, again, the, the closest correlations with, with football in our town is, you know, not, not to be segregated, to be able to come down and just have a really great family day out. I mean, that, that really is, we need more people experiencing that. And that then goes, I think, back to players. How do we get the players to be more involved and, and the very, you know, we've got a, a terrific squad of people and we've got 10, 10 newbies this year who are all like, great, we get it. We totally get, we want to help. So making those guys, you know, have a good presence so that the juniors, uh, that they do get involved. And we've got initiatives now, you know, for the first time we've got volunteers. I think we we had over 50 volunteers for juniors to come and take photographs in the merchandise, you know, so very, you know, a, a multifaceted approach, really. And you mentioned personalities and things like TikTok. Is that something that we will see in the short term or is that a longer term aim? I think as long as we can do it right. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I, I like to think I'm quite tech savvy, but I'm probably not, you know, when it comes to something like TikTok. <laughs> yeah. So I understand the fundamentals, yeah. you know. 
but you wouldn't want me you know, on there. <laughs> so, yes, I think it will be in the short term. It will be certainly through this next couple of months, but we're, we're convinced that we, you know, what sometimes is the temptation to do is to do one, one TikTok, for example, yeah. and try it out there, and then you don't hear anything for a month or for yeah. two months, and we're just not prepared to do that. We want to make sure that we can give it a, a good go, make sure that it is adding value, you know, not just a, a series of tannoyed messages out from the, you know, from the stands. We, we really want that engagement. And I think that's where we'll see some success. And with the, in terms of the content, who is that driven by? Is it by your social media marketing guys or is it the players themselves or, you know, is it, or is it like a joint approach or what, what's the yeah, deal? I, I think certainly again a joint approach. So most of the social media currently, you know, is driven probably by uh, Jamie, who's on our marketing team. He works very well, so he's with the players, you know, probably two to three times a week. Uh, and then we're we're also kind of you know having a, an approach on that. So from a technical nuance, that will be with me, you know, a, a how often, where, what tone of voice, messaging, etc. I think probably as we go to some of the newer social channels, depending on what expertise we've got within the squad. Um, because again, in rugby, you tend to find that people are a bit down the middle. They're either not on social media yeah. at all as players, or they're actually quite active. So it's making sure we're, we're not trying to put square pegs in round holes. We're trying to make sure that, you know, people who are going to be involved, yeah. and I think that will be the players that they're, you know, they're happy to do so. And that they're, you know, they, they, can, they can be as creative as, as they want, you know, and that's, that's the aim really. So, some interesting ideas there. But back to Super League. Sunday saw Hull see off Huddersfield. And it was a good day for Jake Connor, who he seems to either be brilliant or totally crap. It's a big year for him, but who knows what he'll be doing next week. And everybody has been looking at Huddersfield in the off-season with Ian Watson joining and the recruitment, but it was all a bit underwhelming. Watson has a lot of work to do. And and yeah, they were without Aidan Caesar, but they were really ordinary. Another team who were ordinary was Warrington. Blake Austin and Gareth Widdop were they even playing? And it were Castleford who beat them. And with the addition of Evolds, they look a dangerous side. So interesting to see how those two get on in the next few rounds. Catalans, they've had quite a few departures in the off-season. But they don't seem to have changed. They were ill-disciplined, they conceded lots of points, all things that Catalans have become accustomed to in recent years. They shouldn't have allowed whole KR back in the game, it's as simple as that. And Catalans, I think, they were very fortunate to win in Golden Point. Another competition making its return this week is the Championship. We've not actually seen any Championship action for well over a year now, I think. And places are up for grabs this year with the absence of Lee and Toronto and also the uncertainty surrounding Toulouse. So teams like Featherston, York, London and Toulouse, as I've mentioned, they will be vying for the grand final. And I think, you know, it's going to be very open this year. As I said, you know, there's no Lee and Toronto. One of the team I think has gone under the radar a bit and might be Springing a few surprises is Batley Bulldogs. In the off-season, they've made some good signings. They've added young potential with Kieran Buchanan, 
he's coming from Hull FC. Elliot Hall joins from Workington where he was scoring tries. Obviously it's a step up from League One, but you know. Then they've added in Super League experience with Jordy Broughton, Ben Kay, Tom Gilmore. And at the weekend they ran Featherston right to the wire really. I know the Featherston made error after error after error after error, but you've still got to put the points on the board and you've still got to take advantage of them chances and they did to an extent but Featherston finally came through and when they did get going you could see there was a cut above but it's unfair to say Batley should be level on par with a team with such experienced players in the side so Batley might be an outside shot and interestingly they play each other again this Friday in the Championship. Another interesting tie, I think, is York v Toulouse and also Warrington v Lee. So that's what's coming up for next week. That's pretty much it for this episode. Do tune in same time next week, where I'll be joined by the Oldham Roughy Edge chairman, Chris Hamilton, and all the other usual nonsense. Thanks for listening. <laughs>